Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Random History Podcast. And before I get into my episode for this week, I would like to apologize in the delay in the release of episodes. I've been very busy this week, which forced me to delay releasing my episodes, my second pair of episodes until today. And I'm going to try to maintain a more close and more rigid schedule in terms of releasing episodes in the future. I'm going to start off today with another revolution. I'm going to keep with both the trend I started of this week of just doing a revolution week in my podcasting and in keeping with the trend I started in the last episode of focusing on non-political revolutions. I feel a lot of the attention that we devote to revolutions is focused on the more violent and the ones that are more about governance and politics rather than the ones that focus on other changing other facets of life, such as agriculture and commerce. So I will be focusing on the commercial revolution. For those who do not know what the commercial revolution is, this was the creation of a new European economy based around trade and based around trade, which began in the 10 hundreds and would ex- and continue until the mid-1700s, when it would be replaced by the Industrial Revolution. And it, helps, it was started partially by the Crusades, as they helped create a new demand for commerce in the form of good commodities such as silk and spices not previously, not really previously widespread, and things which were not really gro- creatable in Europe. This, which in turn, helped expand trade for the second half of the Middle Ages, and eventually, it would also drive the seeking of new trade routes by newly created European states and new political and economic theories such as mercantilism and colonialism. So, I'm talking about first the origin of the commercial revolution. A major, a major role in the origins and rise of the commercial revolution was the creation of a series of city states in Italy. These would exist as maritime republics, which were essentially a series of merchant city states which operated largely on thalassocrat. Thalassocratic basis, which is basically, as I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, an empire or state that's heavily based around sea trade and just exists heavily around the sea. And the best known of these would probably Venice and Gen- would be Venice and Genoa. Also, occurs in medieval communes, which are a form of mutual defense systems, where basically the citizens of a town or city would agree to take up arms to defend both their city and their traditions. Creating a series of large city states, and it also facilitates that Italy would see a series of huge changes in the 11th through 13th centuries, including a rise in population, a ma- an emergence of many large cities, they were building a lot of the previously destroyed buildings, substantial urbanization to the point of 20%, which was, which was quite exceptional for the time all of which was facilitated by a sizable agrarian revolution and the development of commerce. And many people have argued that the city-states themselves were the key part of this commercial revolution, as the city-states, their great independ- greater independence allowed them to develop more freely in terms of avoiding both imperial power and great levels of church control, and also to somewhat avoid feudalism as their more independent nature would have prevent the would prevent the really the need for such a large hierarchy as existed under feudalism, resulting in a society based around merchants and commerce rather than feudalism. In addition, these city states and somewhat slightly larger than city state groups would oftentimes enjoy much more political freedom than their absolute this absolutist monarchy or centrally controlled states in the north, the west, and south of them, and in the north, east, and west of them, and somewhat to the south, which in, in turn enabled greater 
advancement both academically and artistically, and these cities would also have geographic benefits, which would make them the hub of international trade and banking, as well as crossroads intellectually, as they would be located in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea trade. And they would also help play a major role in development in world finance by helping form different types of economic organizations as well as helping improve on banking. There would also be a lot more growth in affluence, and Italy would remain the economic power for a while, up until the 14th century, though it would be weakened somewhat before making a resurgence in the 15th century. And an important aspect of this this growth in 11th century Italy would be the creation of the commune, which is where the true city-state really arose as the mercantilist states. Well, not as much city-states as only as maritime empires of sorts. That's why they really are considered by many to be thalassocracies. However, a lot of these city-states would later be absorbed in other countries, but they would survive in northern and central Italy where they would break away from feudal overlords during the investiture, con- investiture conf- controversy, which is basically that fight between the Pope and the Holy Roman Empire of who exactly can choose and install bishops and abbots, as well as the Pope, which would spark off a pretty sizable war and would help lead to more city-states in Italy. And there would be similar city-states growing up in Europe and other regions, though they would not often last as long. The Switzerland would be one of the more famous notions of the city-state. They noticed that early on, some of these Italian city-states were already pretty great military powers, especially Venice and Genoa, who had pretty sizable naval empires. And the maritime republics would serve alongside the city-states as very important groups in this commercial revolution. And they would also help expand trade for the rest of Europe as well, as these Italian city-states and maritime republics would have important trade connections all the way over to the Hindu and Muslim worlds. And by the late 1100s, there would be a new, almost a new society with a large amount of urban, not urban people and a large urban class. Of commercial, of commercial trades, as well as a more mixed aristocracy, though there would still be some issues. For a lot of, for example, a lot of the city states had exceptionally violent factions, with oftentimes cities being divided amongst factions with different aims. And however, a lot of these republics would later become princely states, as Europe became even more monarchical in the 1300s, and by the 1400s, many Italian leaders, also known as Signores, would be able to found very stable dynasties and gain titles as well, which resulted in a series of mercant, or not city-states, but rather little countries or little princedoms, and there would further be further conquests, creating regional states. And all of this would help further consolidate Italy while at the same time helping expand the parts of the commercial revolution throughout. And some important aspects, I'm talking a little bit about now exactly what were some of the main aspects of the commercial revolution, namely colonialism and mercantilism, before I get into some other aspects of it. So a thing to note is that in 
There were also some significant ge- geopolitical f- and monetary factors which helped drive this increase in trade, especially geopolitically speaking. The, co- the seizure of Constantinople by the Ottomans would cut off major overland trade routes between Europe and the Far East, which led to significant increases in maritime trade and very greater interest in maritime trade. Think to note that English laws at one point would actually change to focus heavily on the navy, which would help to cause the Hanseatic League to to somewhat collapse. And at this point, Spain would also and other European powers would be very ready to expand outwards, which would create and this and this rivalry between a variety of European powers would also drive it. The thing to know is that the age of discovery would not only see increase in trade, it would also see increases in colonization, as you know. For example, the Portuguese Empire would end up controlling much of the trade in between the East and the West for quite a while, with them even settling, establishing settlements in China and India. And there would also be some monetary reasons for the commercial revolution, as people needed to explore for new bullion in order to help improve their mind and or not improve but help expand the amount of coins that they could make as they were running low on the precious materials to make new currency so they needed more of it there also be some new technological advances such as new sailing for ships new architecture better maps and instruments of navigation all of which helped spur trade I think I'm now going to talk a little bit about some of the major aspects of the commercial revolution, but but real quick, I'm going to describe colonialism and mercantilism. I know I said I was going to do that a minute ago in the podcast, but I decided it would probably be better to talk a little bit about some of the major groundings behind the further expansion of the commercial revolution. So mercantilism is, in essence, an economic policy all about the idea that trade is a zero-sum game. You cannot... There's only one winner, there's one loser. So as a result, they wanted to maximize exports and minimize imports. They believed that basically you get as much gold as possible. And in a way, it was they were kind of, they weren't right. But it's understandable why they did it as this is a point where people still really saw wealth as something that was only really measured in gold. And as there was a fixed amount of gold, they were somewhat justified in their belief that there was fixed wealth and that you can only really gain wealth through maximizing exports and minimizing imports and any for a positive balance of trade i think there's that mercantilism was quite heavily based around colonies as they saw colonies as a good way to improve your exports you know become self-sufficient that we want to rely on foreign imports while still maximizing exports so now you got all these fancy goods that you can sell out of the countries that you get from your colonies this would drive colonialism which as you know is the seeking of colonies in addition it's also the establishment of systems within that colonies that make them heavily reliant on you as a way to boost their trade for example they would oftentimes prevent the growth of the certain industries to force colonies to buy goods from them they would also limit who their colonies could trade with i'm not going to talk about some major aspects of the commercial revolution to think to is that during the commercial revolution you'd see a rise in the amount of money you'd see less basis on wealth around the, on the possession of land and less trade based on barter and you'd see more currency in addition you'd see new ways to manage the tr- 
trade risk. For example, there'd be banks. You could get loans. You could get insurance as well for your ships. There'd also be the idea of rather than owning one ship, you can own multiple parts of many ships as a way to diversify risk. There'd also be stock exchanges and other methods a financing trade, which made it easier for people to engage in commercial ventures and further expanding the trade-based economy. There'd also be a series of new laws, which would help drive further traders' nations try to encourage the growth of trade in their own nation as a way to boost their mercantilism, which obviously had the effect of boosting overall trade. There would also be further centralization of power in many countries, which would help make trade safer as now. Don't really have to worry about bandits as much because there's a central authority who's going to help deal with the bandits. And there would also be an interesting, uh, not, not necessarily interestingly, but of evan- kind of inevitably a growth in economic theories to kind of help explain this new economic world people found themselves in. There would also be a lot of formalization of methods for dealing with trade and commerce. There wouldn't be as many informal deals now. There would be a lot more formality. Sometimes there would also be a lot of inflation, however. For example, Spain would uh, amass hundred a couple like almost 200 tons of gold and a couple thousand tons of silver in the new world and they would spend a lot of the silver to finance their both their economy as a whole and other aspects and this end up would cause a lot of inflation so uh, so there would also be some significant issues with the commercial revolution for a while with a large amount of Inflation caused by the increase in trade as the introduction of tons of bullion would obviously cause inflation, something which people did not understand back then as they didn't really know that if you introduce a lot more of a commodity, each individual amount of that commodity should become less valuable because it's more abundant. And this would also cause further urbanization as now that there is all this inflation, the landholding aristocracy has to pay more money, which hurts them. And now they have to sell their land to help maintain their lifestyles as they can't really sustain themselves on paying the poor very, or not the poor, but paying their tenants very small amounts. And now you see the wealthy commercial class buying land and also enclosing previously commonly owned lands, which would in turn help force out these rural living peasants into more urban areas and cities which would help increase the industrial revolution in the very far future half thing knows that the inflation was not all bad it would also have some good effects during the commercial revolution such as allowing for the increase in the amount of available silver coins so now much more people can access barter it's not like oh, much more people can access actual currency commerce rather than just bartering for everything thing to know is that the development of the commercial revolution also allowed the development of the modern banking system. For example, they would see a change away from the forbidding of arsory by the Catholic Church, or at least the great discouraging of this, which would allow for people to charge interest on loans, which would help people generate profit from becoming banking, which would allow for more banks to develop, as now banking is something which is actually profitable. And in addition, the growth of silver, coin, and other forms of currency would help expand banks as the the um, greater abundance of silver coin would let you have more money to available to loan out. As previously, with not a lot of silver and currency lying around, you can't exactly open a bank based on barter systems. It's not like you're going to really be able to loan people money. And this would also help grow major banker interests, such as the famous Fuga family, who would initially start in mine owning before eventually going into high amounts of 
into like banking and financial activities, becoming a very massive banking empire who would trade with everyone from the king, like, like the the greatest kings in Europe to very small time people. However, they would eventually go bankrupt after they after some of their greatest clients would become would go bankrupt or default on their loans, especially the the emperors and kings they lent to. They would also be in the creation of money, of money exchanges. For example, in Amsterdam, or not Amsterdam, Antwerp, a bor- a bourse, which is one of the first ever money exchanges where people could, for example, trade on, um, let's say, European currencies from um, England for currencies from Italy to each other, which now made it easier. Is now, it's not about oh, I have to go like give them currency and hope that they accept like somewhat level of a decent enough value for it. They're not. Gonna, I hope that. They're not like, okay, because your currency is foreign, we'll only accept, it'll cost you like four times as much. Now you can get currency of the nation that you want to trade in to trade with. That way it improves your ability to trade. In addition, you can trade more. As now that you can exchange currencies, you can make money off currency exchanges, which can help foster further trade. In addition, this would later be moved, this... This Antwerp exchange would later be moved to Amsterdam, where they would also help facilitate growth of banks. And you would also see the growth of paper money to replace metal money, which would help make trade less difficult as now. I don't have to haul like a million pounds of gold around. That's a hyperbole, of course. I can haul a much lighter paper, which has the same value, which means... Longer trips than possible. It's also cheaper to make trips. Don't have to worry about getting a ship that has enough space to carry all that money. In addition, it's easier to, it's easier just to make trade in general. Now that I don't have to carry money around with me, I can also go on lighter trips to get lighter amounts of goods. And in addition, the Amsterdam Exchange Bank would be founded in sixteen oh nine, which would be one of the main, which would essentially make Amsterdam one of the greatest financial centers of the world up until the Industrial Revolution. They would also see a joint stock bank reopened. Think there's that banking would grow great, greatly over this time, as I previously mentioned, and many of the largest centuries of commerce would be in major port cities. Examples would include Amsterdam, London, and Hamburg. And they could also they could also use these banks to buy, not only to get money and to loan money, but also to engage in other tran- transactions, such as by buying bills of credit and by buying other forms of commodity trade. For example, they could bet on the type of commodities that could come off trips. How about this time the commodities market would be even more volatile than today just because a lot of ships would be lost to war and other issues and cargo would oftentimes be seized. The news that trade was very risky at first, though the development of stock-based systems would make trade a lot less risky as now you could share risk, which would become, which would result in risk not be, becoming, rather than like a massive, like, oh, I just lost everything in my life, you lose only part of stuff. Some other ways dealing with the risks and extensions associated with new trade would include not just, just buying stock in companies, but also insurance and joint stock companies. And while there was informal risk fearing for centuries, this is a much more formal way to share risks. As I previously mentioned, there would also be stock exchanges established should become valuable as this would not only enable a trade in, in the in terms of the creation of new systems of lending and borrowing money would also create new markets as now stocks wouldn't just become a way for people to loan money and to borrow money it would become a way for them to make money by selling stocks to each other there would also be a series of 
different forms of stock exchanges. There would also be a series of different brokers of items. And they would also begin selling securities of sorts. There would be a series of different financial instruments which would be developed at the time, which would become very crucial to economic operation. The Dutch would also begin further innovating, creating things such as short selling, trading of options, swapping debt for equity, and many different speculative investments, including merchant making and unit trusts. Insurance would also become much greater, including things such as fire insurance, ship insurance. There would also be Lloyds of London would come into existence around this time in the form of insurance. As I mentioned, there would also be some economic theory growing in terms of mercantilism and colonialism. There would also be some royal trade monopolies, for example, since you'd see the VOC, the Dutch East Indies Company, and the East India Company, both being driven trade monopolies. There would also be the creation of the triangular trade. So, in conclusion, the commercial revolution arose in part due to increasing demand and increasing desire for new products due to the Crusades had come before, and in addition, a series of trades within the co- series of successive parts of the commercial revolution would not just help satisfy this need for trade, they would also further grow trade. For example, the growth of it. silver coinage not only would help satisfy this demand for increased trade by helping people trade more, it would also drive further trades now. It became easier to trade. And the development of new economic instruments and new financial instruments, such as stock markets, great amounts of insurance, joint stock companies, currency exchanges, in addition to helping inc- facilitate trade, would also drive trade by making it easier. And the commercial revolution would have the end effect of helping build some of the tenets of our modern financial system, helping increase urbanization, growing some nations into powerhouses, and improving the livelihoods of many. Thanks for listening, everyone, and once again, this was the Random History Podcast.